dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Sith Talk. Today is January 1st, 2024. We are on the new channel right now, and my guest is Connor from Beyond the Dune Sea. How are you doing, Connor? I'm doing very well, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So tell us a little bit about your channel and where we could find you at. Okay. So yeah, my name's Connor. I am one of two hosts of the Beyond the Dune Sea show. You can find us at Beyond the Dune Sea pretty much everywhere except Twitter. We don't have a Twitter. I don't know why. We just we don't have a Twitter. <laughs> uh, but TikTok, Instagram, and of course the main show is on YouTube and Spotify. So yeah, it's uh, yes. we, we talk Star Wars, mostly Star Wars. Uh, maybe on occasion we'll dabble outside the, that galaxy far, far away. But you know, for the most part, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and it, it's funny. I, I was just talking to Seth. And I was telling him how I found you guys was on TikTok. I remember seeing a random TikTok and I was like, man, the, the, the quality of this is crazy. They have to be like a 100K channel. Like I've never seen these dudes, but like the quality was there. And like that next day, Will from Diamond Figs on Instagram, he sent me a reel on IG. And I'm like, bro, I just was watching these guys. They're awesome. And like we went from that to now we're all friends. We have yeah, Tales of the Archive. Yeah, it's so crazy how it works. It's like such a small world. It's wild. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you have just been awesome with kind of mentoring Seth and I with YouTube because we're YouTube novices. Like, hey, I've made, I've been in video production in one form or another for a very long time, but yeah. YouTube was still kind of a mystery to me. And gosh, we probably, I mean, we wouldn't be anywhere close to where we're at without you and uh all the other friends we've made but especially you because you've been like oh yeah this is how this works or this yeah is about this you know and uh, we man we appreciate that so much no of course yes so everyone that comes on the show we get three questions out of them are you ready for uh the first oh, question let's hear it so the first one is what is your favorite star wars movie easy revenge of the sith yes. episode three why revenge question. of the sith why Revenge of the Sith? So I became a fan just before that movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I was a little older already. I I had um I had experience of Star Wars, but I it didn't click with me for whatever reason. But I discovered the original trilogy on an mm -hmm. old uh VHS tape. Um and it would just happen to be the end of 2004 when that happened. And so then Revenge of the Sith was right there. And I went to the drive-in with my sister and gosh, what a just incredible movie, like incredible time to become a fan because then you get the end of the saga, which it had the marketing, you know, with the, with the toys and, uh, with the commercials. And there was that Burger King tie-in that I thought was so cool. I actually yes. have over there. It's a little out of reach, but I have the, the Darth Vader on our set. It's actually Seth's, but he brought it over. Yeah. For us. But, um, and, but as I got older, I grew to love empire more so mm -hmm. empire was my favorite until i was in college i had some friends who had never seen star wars uh, one of my friends was from india and he had never seen never seen anything and they didn't know anything and wow. so we're like hey let's get together you guys and some of my other friends who had already seen star wars and like we're just gonna have a big marathon we're gonna watch all six movies 
Um, and we ended it on Revenge of the Sith and just experiencing it. It was like experiencing it for the first time. Again. Yeah. And it, it's like seeing it from their eyes was so cool. And uh, also um, being able to, I'd, I'd never done that. I'd never done a marathon to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And it was like, wow, everything really builds to this movie. Yeah. And all ever like everything, the emotion, the story. And I was like, wow, no, this is, yeah, this is it. You know, George was cooking, you know, we just had to, <laughs> he was. So yeah, did, it'll did, always did be my favorite. Did you say you watched revenge of the Sith at a drive-in for the, for the first did. time? It did. Really? Yes. What? We, so I, I've never been to a drive-in theater before, but like, what oh. was that experience watching revenge of the Sith in a drive-in? So, there's a, a drive-in that was near my hometown, a uh-huh. uh, somewhat small drive-in, but it was kind of a, it was always a special thing to do. Uh, like with my family, my mom would often go, we actually had a tradition every Thanksgiving, we would go watch um, the new Harry Potter movie because it, oh, it nice. came out on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so most of the time I would, that would be something I did with my dad, but then my mom, uh, she took us, would take us to the drive-in often to see those as well. Uh, and so it was always a special thing. And for revenge of the Sith. Yeah. It was kind of like any other drive-in movie that I'd been to. Uh, you kind of, if you've never been, you, you know, you pull up, there's instead of theater seats, obviously you have your cars and you tune your radio to a certain station and then that's how you hear the, the audio. And so it kind of, your experience really depended on the, how good a sound system you had. Yeah. Um, I I'm embarrassed to say I was a little devious in my high school years. We would sneak into the drive-in and then just sit next to people with loud cars. <laughs> um, but no, for Revenge of the Sith, I did. I went with my sister, and I think with my sister and her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in the in the back because another fun thing you did if it was summertime, which this was May, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you back your car in and then you kind of lift your tailgate if you have a hatchback, and you kind of just like create a little nest in there you know some pillows and blankets and snacks yeah. and stuff specs you're not really supposed to bring in snacks but everybody did anyway you know? yeah yeah and so yeah it was great i mean you miss out on what i would call theater experiences where people are cheering you know yeah and yeah, yeah. lines and stuff but you get a much more it's a different experience it's a much more home homey experience because yeah. you know, you're in your own element you're in your own car usually you've got your own food you've got your own people, you know, and you can talk yeah. because you don't have to worry about being quiet, but everything's really loud, you know, and it was great. It was great to experience that movie that way. Um, uh, yeah. Some days I wish that I would have watched it in a theater, but also just that experience of my most prominent memory. I don't know why is of general grievous from that movie. Like I have just a prominent <laughs> image in my mind of general grievous up on that big screen. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. That's so cool. I remember seeing Revenge of the Sith in theaters like it was yesterday because I remember I was in college at the time. I was living in Daytona and I had a part time job somewhere. And I remember me and then like the two older dudes at the job wanted to see it, too, because they were OGs that watched the original. So we went we got out of work at 10. We went on Thursday because we saw it Thursday at midnight. So I remember we got out of work at 10. We went across the street to the AMC in Daytona and we waited till midnight to watch it and we saw the midnight show and it was amazing. And then as soon as we came out, we're in the parking lot, like vroom, 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 like playing with like <laughs> right. lightsabers. It just was such an amazing movie. And 
I will never forget that experience seeing it because like we because back then you had to wait till midnight if you wanted to see it early on Thursday. Yeah. Yep. And we were the first ones in there and it, it was just great. Like that's my favorite movie, too. And it's crazy to this day. I just rewatched it like two, three weeks ago. To this day, it still hits so hard and it feels so good. Yep. Every time you rewatch it, it's it's amazing. I still get that feeling so many years later. We're rewatching it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I will stumble upon clips and with doing the show, I often am pulling clips or rewatching clips a lot. And yeah, it's like no matter how many times I watch it, or like just the other day I was pulling some clips from uh the Mace Windu versus Palpatine. And mm. when Palpatine's on the ground, you know, and the unlimited power, power. you know, that is just yeah, yeah. Gosh, I mean, Ian McDermott is is the unsung hero of that movie in particular, like he, man, what a performance. And like that scene, I love that scene so much. So yeah, I, I agree. It's like every time I see a scene from that movie or I watch that movie, it hits just as hard as it did the day I watched it for the first time. Yep. So awesome. So the next question is what is your favorite star Wars show? Only one live action or animated. You got to, what's the top one? Oh, well, you know, it's Obi-Wan. That's what it is. My, oh. my hot take. No, that's not it. That's not it. Although I do love that show. <laughs> Something that I get a uh, get clowned on a little bit for, but yeah. you know what? I don't care. I like it. Uh, but no, my favorite probably Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, I, I think the highs of Clone Wars are some of the highest, if not the highest, of any show. So, like the way I always like my brain works when it comes to looking at, especially shows, but movies as well. Like I, I use this phrase a lot, peaks and valleys. So yep, yep. everything's got a peak and, you know, then there are some low points, right? Clone Wars, it is vast. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's every, you get Siege of Mandalore, but then you also get R2-D2 and that frog that go across that desert for four episodes. <laughs> you know, it is like, it is a vast <laughs> array of what you get. Yeah. But man, those peaks though are yeah. peak. Like Siege of Mandalore is... S tier Star Wars, and I don't say that lightly. Like I'm pretty picky yeah. about what I put in that category, and I love that. Uh, I mean, you have Yoda in the Wills, you have um, the Mortis arc, of course. Um, you have Obi Wan going undercover, like t when he took that Polyjuice potion, you know, and yeah. then became a bounty yeah. hunter. Yeah, um, like that's great. Uh, five the, the Bad Batch arc. Oh, of of course. I mean, that's yeah, that is like the mm. arc, right? The Fives mm. arc. Um, 99, you know, oh, the Umbara arc. I mean, I could go on and on. I just, I love, yeah. and I, I love what that did for star Wars. I, a lot of people say, you know, that, well, clone wars fixed the prequels for them. I'm not one of those people. I think the prequels mm. stand very well on their own. Um, I don't think you need clone wars to tell the story of Anakin's fall. I think no. it's, it's, it's done just fine in the movies. It's nice to have those extra moments, of course. But for me, where Clone Wars shines is expanding. You get Maul, you get Ahsoka, you get the personalities yeah. of the clones, you know. And it's weird to say, but like Anakin and Obi-Wan aren't really my favorite characters in that show, even though they're my favorite characters from the prequel era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Clone Wars, I wouldn't say it fixed it, but for me... It enhanced the prequels because it, yeah. it just gave so much more depth and backstory. And it's funny. I was so late to Clone Wars. I didn't watch Clone Wars until after season six finished. 
So me too. Yeah. So it it's funny though. The reason I started it was twenty. 18 i'm watching solo in the movie theaters and i get to the end of the movie and darth maul is on the screen and i'm like <laughs> you got cut in half how are you here so as soon as i got out of the theater i googled it like how is darth maul alive and i saw dave filoni brought him back in clone wars show and i'm like i guess i gotta watch clone wars and rebels because it said that he was in clone wars and rebels so i binged all six seasons of clone wars all four seasons of Rebels, and I was like, wow, I really missed out on all this amazing lore content. And then for season seven, I watched that week to week as it dropped. Me too, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm very similar. I uh I watched the 08 movie when it came out in theaters, but I was kind of just at that age where I don't know, I was like, it was it was probably where I cared about star Wars the least. It's not that I didn't care about it. Yeah. Yeah. I had other things going on, you know? Yep. Um, and I, we also didn't have cable at my house for a very, very long time. So I just didn't have any way to watch it. And mm -hmm. I was never really on the internet during that time either. It was weird. I can, so I just wasn't exposed to it. And yeah, it was college for me. Um, the six seasons, I think the sixth season had just wrapped or maybe it would wrap. I, it was whenever they got put on, uh, they were on Netflix for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might have watched it on Netflix because yeah. there was no Disney Plus, or maybe Disney right. Plus just came out then. But I think I watched it on Netflix. Disney Plus came out the same year as Mando, so yeah, it would have had to have been. Oh yeah, twenty eighteen. You're right. It was twenty nineteen. Was Mando? It would have had to have been Netflix. So I, I binged them all on Netflix, same as you. Yep. And I had the same thing. It, I'm not gonna lie. Season one is a bit of a slog at points. Oh, the the first two are slow. Three is yeah. when it picks up yes yes yeah. and there's just such great moments you know and i just uh very fond very fond of clone wars yeah so. and it's funny for people who say it's a kid's show and i'm watching the episode where darth maul is on a planet there's a bunch of kids and he slaughters all of them to lure out kenobi like this is not a kid's show like well this show you know i mean star wars are kids movies but just because yeah, yeah. something's a kid movie or a kid's show doesn't mean it's not good. <laughs> I never exactly. understood that yep. as like a yeah. attack on these. It's like, well, of course they are, but so is a bunch of other stuff we adults enjoy. Yeah. It's made for, made for everybody. It's kind of an all ages thing. It's not really a kid's show versus a not kid's show. Exactly. Yeah. At least that's how I look at it. So the next question, the last one is, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Dude, this changes all the time. Uh, yeah. but it is almost always between two characters uh -huh. and it's either Luke Skywalker or Anakin Darth Vader, which I know is the most vanilla answer I could give. <laughs> but, uh, I think a lot of days it's, it's Luke. Um, Vader of course is just, he has the most complete arc. And I think of all characters, I think his story of redemption is so powerful to me. Yep. Um, you get so much depth with the character and his tragedy and like building up, like I said, revenge of the Sith. It's like, man, you, uh, you've grown to love this person and, and to watch him fall is so hard, but then that was what makes it so much sweeter that he comes back. And I, so I love the, love that character obviously, but Luke, I love Luke in a lot of different ways. I think that Luke is mm -hmm. so interesting and in that he's not your typical hero, especially not from that age, you know, uh, from, from the eighties and seventies. Um, he was more of an old school, uh, fantasy character. Uh, yeah. And he, he takes on a lot of those characteristics. And, and one thing there, there's a video essay out there by a channel called so and 
so uncivilized mm-hmm. called the importance of Luke Skywalker. I highly recommend any star Wars fan watch that it is so good, but he breaks down how, uh, in a new hope, Luke has a typical hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a, just a, a, the prodigal son, you know, out and he gets, taken on uh he's the apprentice of an old wizard who gives him a magic sword they go to the dark tower to fight the dark wizard and save the princess you know like that's the story yeah yeah <laughs> and it's pretty pretty basic but then you get to empire and instead of making luke repeat the char- the hero's journey everything that made him strong in a new hope makes him lose an empire strikes back. And it's the lesson he has to learn that to be yeah. a Jedi and to be a hero sometimes aren't the same thing. And that's so powerful to me about like patience and, uh, and about persistence, but also Luke is loyal. He's loyal to a fault. He's, uh, he's steadfast. Uh, and his loyalty is what gets him and his friends in danger and learning how to, how to balance that. And, you know, then we get to return of the Jedi and, I think it's easy to forget because we're, we know Luke so well just because he's so prevalent in media. But if you picture yourself at the time watching Return of the Jedi for the first time, when Luke walks through those doors in Jabba's palace, you're like, where's this guy at? He's wearing all black. He's force choking. the Yes. Did he become his father like he was worried about? Because that's that's the strength of the I am your father moment is uh, Luke is always saying, hey, I'm going to learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my father. So as soon as Vader says, I am your father, that destiny is staring him in the face like, oh, my gosh, what I've been working for is that. Yeah. And so when we see him in Return of the Jedi, it's such a great moment because you're like, oh, no, did he is he Vader now? Like not literally, but is he, you know, becoming that character and then the beautiful moment at the end when he throws it away. Gosh, what a powerful moment. And then I love the, just the visual symbolism of his, his uh, costume, you know, the flap comes down you get the, you get the The light. light. Yep. So I think that that character is such a, such a powerful story and it's such a timeless story. And I think it's something that anybody can watch and get something from it. Um, so yeah, Luke, 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 most days is my favorite, but on other days it's, it's Anakin, but right now it's Luke. <laughs> so when we got Luke in Mando season two finale for the first time, what were you thinking in that moment? How did you feel? Cause I know for me, that was such a special moment and I will never forget it. But what, what was it like for you seeing Luke in Mando? So I have, uh, because I've been involved in film production for a long time, I can kind of twists are rarely a surprise to me because you can kind of when i watch something it's it's a blessing and a curse i'm and anybody who's involved in storytelling or production you know has the same issue but you uh can sort of pick up the breadcrumbs and when i watch i'm like oh well they did this because of this behind the scenes reason that you can sort of piece together and then when stuff comes out later whether it's a gallery episode or interviews usually it's vindicated like oh yeah that thing that i thought was, was true you know um so with that background in mind, going through Mando season two, you know, in the beginning, they're talking about bringing him to a Jedi. Oh, it's going to be Ahsoka. We knew that from leaks, right? Uh, so yeah, he goes to Ahsoka. And then it was quite a surprise that she's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, you've now written yourself into a corner. Like you had the perfect answer to your problem. It was Ahsoka. 
I mean, and Dave Filoni's involved. So it's like, this is the answer to the, to the question of who's going to train Grogu. Well, now it's, who else is it going to be? And I remember Cal Kestis was a big person, which please know, I love Cal Kestis, but he needs to be dead by this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many Jedi. Um, when Yoda said, when gone am I, the last of the Jedi will you be? They got away with the loophole of the Soka with the I am no Jedi thing. And as yeah. a result, Gridia. So <laughs> anyway, so I was like, well, if it's not Ahsoka, then it Mace Windu was brought up a lot. Did he survive? Is he a dark Jedi at this point? You know, there was that question. But as the season kept going, I'm like, they are writing themselves into a Luke-shaped corner. And it was so peculiar to me because it just felt like there's no way they would touch this. There's no way that a TV show, there's no way that the Mandalorian would touch Luke Skywalker. It just even though every narrative sign was pointing in that direction, I was like, there's just no way I was, I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then we get to that finale. And I remember my wife and I got up at 3am to watch it and she doesn't do that for all of them, but she's pretty invested in the Mandalorian. Yeah. And we sat down and we were kind of given our last minute predictions. And I was like, you know, I think, I think it is going to be Luke, but I didn't expect him to be in it. I expected them to do a teaser like they did in season one. You know, with Moff Gideon and the Dark Saber, it's like a stinger. Yeah. So I expected it to end with maybe you just see him step into frame and you see this hilt hanging off his belt. Uh, yeah. Know? And then like, oh, where's this gonna go? That's the cliffhanger. That's what I expected at most. And so while watching it, I was loving it so far. You know, we're getting the the fight between Moff Gideon and, and Din. Yeah. Bo Katan and and the gang going through and just you know ripping everybody apart. I love how it opens with the Slave One uh, chasing uh, the Imperial shuttle, and then we get to sort of what I assumed was the climax, but then it's not. Just that X wing, and I remember just my heart dropped. I was like, no, and then I was like, but it's not him though, right? Like it's not it's not Luke. Obviously, they're not going to do that. And then you see him walking down the hallway and I'm like, okay, we've never, I don't know the black cloak. Anybody could be under that cloak. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you see the green lightsaber. I'm like, okay, it could be Ezra. It could be, we don't know. And then you see the hilt. And then I was like, it hit me so hard. Cause I'm like, they're really doing this. I cannot believe that. And then the hallway. And it was like, oh, my hero's back. And look, I'm not one of those people that like, I don't need to see Luke be a superhero. You know, I, I don't, I don't, that's not, I don't need that. Right. But it was, I think that as Star Wars fans by this point, at least this is how I felt that we just didn't get that kind of stuff. You know, like they didn't, they really danced around even saying Anakin's name. They didn't actually in that season. They talked about him in, in reference sort of with the Ahsoka episode. But mm -hmm. Like if it was a reference to legacy characters, that was all it was. It was a reference. If we're going to get yeah. Darth Vader and Rogue One, it was brief. It was that hallway scene. Great. I love it. But it doesn't go beyond that. So to see Luke get to be an actual character in a show, I it blew my mind. It blew my mind that they did that. And I thought they built it so well because even at the, even with Luke, he's not the emotional center of that episode. It's yeah. Din saying goodbye to Grogu. Yeah. And I, I thought, wow, you guys not only did the impossible, you brought Luke Skywalker in, but you made me care about a character that's not Luke Skywalker more in this episode, which 
that is a feat. That's a, um, I remember Lawrence Kasdan, he wrote, helped, he, he did write, I think, uh, Force Awakens. And he talked about, that's why Luke's not in that. Because if Luke is in it with our other heroes, you don't care about Ray, Finn, and Poe. Yep. And so it's a smart choice because they did the same thing in The Mandalorian. You had the first full season. Uh, first season was all our new characters. Yeah. And then, then they started to trickle in those other guys in season two once you already cared. So it's interesting. But yeah, that's how I kind of got it off on a tangent there. But that's, uh, I loved it. Loved that season. <laughs> That is awesome. And my experience was very similar, too. So I woke up at 3 a.m. And I remember watching it in my living room. And when the X-Wing came in, uh, like kind of like you, I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. And then you see him walking down the hallway. And I'm like, okay, he looks kind of slender. Maybe it's just Ahsoka. Maybe it's just Ahsoka and X-Wing. And then you see the glove, the lightsaber. And I still didn't believe it. I'm like. Is this Luke? So I, I remember getting up off my couch, walking up to my TV and just staring like, oh, my God, wh- who is that? Who is that? And just seeing everything. And I'm like, is this really Luke Skywalker? And then he, the hallway scene was crazy. He crushed the droid. I was like, whoa. And then when he comes in and he he deignites his blade and then he takes that off and you see him. I was just like shocked shocked blown away and then like all of that was amazing but i think what part one of the smaller parts that got me the most was r2 coming in out of nowhere i i think i started to tear up like oh my god r2 is there and like that final shot that you see with luke holding grogu and r2 in the elevator it's like if you would have if i would have saw that photo a year ago i would have been like that's so fake that would never happen ever right yeah But, but seeing that it was like wow that really happened and like you're right that one part when din took it off it it was i was getting choked up it was so deep so emotional him saying bye to the little guy that that episode like we don't get stuff like that often where you feel that way and you remember you remember like how everything that happened in that exact moment and i love when we get moments like that like i appreciate stuff like that so much yeah i there's a a lot of people like to say that's fan service, but I think that's fan service done right. Yep. Um, there's a YouTube reviewer that I really like. Uh, I've said this on our show many times, but uh, his name's Chris Stuckman. I'm sure many people have heard of him, uh, but he has a great quote when talking about fan service. He's like, I'm a fan, service me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, right. I mean, there's a way to do it where it's just n- nonsense for the sake of it, right? But there's also ways to do it like that. Like I... Yeah, like Luke is a a main character in this galaxy. Makes sense that he would maybe pop in from time to time, especially if you write yourself into a corner where only he can save you. (laughs) Yeah, and and like you said, at that time, everyone was like, well, who else is alive? It's only Luke, there's Cal, there's Ezra. It was literally just like three people that are in the galaxy right now. So, yeah, man, that that was great. What about when... uh, um, when he popped up in Book of Boba for that one episode. I have very mixed feelings because yeah. if you like in a vacuum, I love that episode. Oh, I yeah, think it's yeah, yeah. Really good. It's some of the those two episodes of of, of Book of Boba Fett. We're the best. <laughs> They're excellent. Yeah. The reason why I have reservations is I 
do not like that Grogu goes back to Mando. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Too quick. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Way too fast. Really detracted from that emotional core of season two, in my opinion. I it so that is a a big black spot on that show because overall with Book of Boba Fett, I think it's fine. I think it's inoffensive for the most part. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there's some stuff that I really don't care for, but <laughs> I mean, but I don't think that it did anything where I'm like, wow, this is like, this is an affront to the lore, you know, or something. I don't, I, yeah, it's just some things really fell flat, which there's a difference, right? In my opinion, anyway, between being uh, offensive when I say offensive, like offensive to the lore of the universe yeah. you're, you're making. So there's a difference between being offensive and just being bad, like not very good. And I think that, yeah, there's some stuff that's not very good in that show, but those two episodes, gosh, when it, uh, in the desert comes a stranger, I think is what that episode's called. I mean, the deep faking looked really good. I'm kind of yep. in the camp that they should probably recast now, but yeah. I mean, just for that episode, having hearing Mark and the BTS, you know, uh, delivering those lines, uh, seeing Cad Bane, uh, seeing all, like everything about that episode was like, Luke was perfect. Like his characterization was perfect. Yeah. How he was teaching Grogu. He was so humble too. Like when Ahsoka was like, you know, he's learning so fast and he's like, I don't even know if I'm teaching him anything or if he's just <laughs> remembering things. Yeah. Uh, like that's just all very Luke to me, you know, like that's the character that I remember growing up with and, and loving, you know, like that's, that's the guy. So I, I love those episodes, but then I get really frustrated when I get to the finale. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm on the same page. But one thing in that episode, though, that like blew my mind when she said it was when Ahsoka said to Luke, you're so much like your father. Like right away, I was like, and then all the Clone Wars episodes flash back in my mind of her and Anakin. And after that moment, it's like, it's like, I need to see in some sort of media or book, I need to see Ahsoka meeting Luke for the first time. And I want to see that conversation where Ahsoka's like, your father was my master. And Luke's like, your master was my father. I need to see when that happened, the realization of it. And I've talked about it before with a couple of people on on the podcast and stuff. It's, I feel like it's going to be R2-D2 is the reason why that happens. Cause like, if Luke is with R2 and Ahsoka is somewhere and she sees R2, R2 is going to recognize her right away. That would be the link connecting them to have like an initial conversation, you know? Yeah. That, that, that is the tippy top of my star Wars wish list. Like I've, I've joked about this before, but if we got that scene, I'm fine with star Wars just ending (laughs) or or anything with like the Skywalker (laughs) stuff, because it just wraps everything up in a nice bow. it it takes clone wars it takes the original trilogy it takes the prequel trilogy it takes all the stuff they're doing in the mando timeline and it just full circles everything yeah and oh i i want that scene so bad and dave mentioned actually for book of boba fett that he wrote how they met in order to write that scene so it has been written at least in some form and yes i would love to see it i have in uh so i do toy photography and one of my first photos that ever got a lot of attention was I did at that scene. I did them meeting and they were around a campfire uh, or was, something. It was basically around a campfire. They were yeah. like, in, uh, uh, kind of, they were in like, uh, some ruins, I think. Uh-huh. And it was captain Rex. 
Ahsoka and Luke. And then R2 was playing a hologram of Anakin during the Clone Wars. But I had them pose. So like Rex was like telling a story, you know, and Ahsoka was just yeah. smiling. And so was Luke. I'm like, gosh, that would be, that'd be awesome. Because I think that Luke probably wouldn't know who Ahsoka was, but Ahsoka mm. would definitely know who Luke was by that time. Because yeah. the original trilogy has happened. There's no way she didn't hear his name. Uh, which is also fascinating why she, I, I think that that's an, an interesting question too, is why doesn't Luke or Ahsoka approach Luke sooner? I think it, I think some of that was indirectly answered by the show, you know, that, uh, her trauma with Anakin, like she couldn't. Yeah. yeah. So I also have this little fanfic idea, which mm-hmm. is a little cringe. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, I think it's fun where maybe Ahsoka does want to approach Luke. Like maybe she hears his name and is like, oh, this is it. This is our opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I have this idea where like Yoda would reach out to her kind of like he does with Ezra. Uh-huh. Um, and Yoda's like, hey, the time of the Jedi being warriors and in the, in the war, that's over. The only person who can stop this is Luke. You need to like, we have to just wait. We have to stay out of it mm, yeah. because that was ultimately what Yoda learned with the Clone Wars, right? Is like they needed to take a passive stance, and that is his lesson to Luke and Empire Strikes Back. So I, that's just my—I don't know. Yeah, some, just something I think about is like, yeah, that would be neat if Ahsoka. I feel like Ahsoka would be very headstrong because that's the character she is in Rebels. Yeah, but but there's also maybe the trauma was so deep that she, even hearing about Luke, made her go further into exile, which which she wasn't really in exile in the same way that. Yoda and Obi Wan, where she yeah. was more, she was Ronining, you know. So yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Ho- Top of my wish list, man. Top. Hopefully, we get that, man. Like, if I ever run into Dave Filoni anywhere, that's the first question I'm gonna ask him. Like, how did Luke and Ahsoka meet? Just ah, oh, man. Hopefully, we get yep. it, man. Hey, maybe that, Tales of the Jedi season two. You know, that, he, you know, he loves his girl, so that would be awesome if not the only other time where it would make sense could be like in an ahsoka season two and like some sort of flashback or something but i could see that i could see that in ahsoka season two because i mean you got to rope luke into that story at some point not necessarily ahsoka but you have to wrap into the heir to the empire story yeah um like you've already the cat's out of the bag you brought him in already so he's there uh so I could see that in like an Ahsoka season two, if she's going to get involved and she wants to go talk to Luke, that would be a nice cold open to the episode, like the meeting. So maybe it's a little bait and switch. Like you think that she's approaching, like you think that they already know each other because of Book of Boba Fett, but no, yeah. it's a flashback. They're meeting each other for the first time. Uh, you know, I think actually, now that I think about it, I think Dave w- if would save that moment for the movie. Like... The Filoni movie, what if it is an heir to the Empire movie? And if Luke is in it, how insane would that be? The big screen seeing Luke and Ahsoka meet for the first time in a movie. Wow. I would I would pass away peacefully. Is what... <laughs> no, oh, that would be cool. Oh man. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. I, I think we'll get that story eventually. It's just yeah. a matter of when and in what medium. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So. So we've been talking be, about, no, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just final note, I was just going to say, it would be kind of cool to see it in like a Tales of the Jedi, just because it would be neat to see Luke in a Clone Wars style animation oh, and bring Mark Hamill right. back to voice. And, oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I would like it in live action too, but I would also, 
I, I'll take it in any form. Just not a comic book. I like comics, but like that's too big of a moment, you know. <laughs> it it is, and like if it is tales, that means we would get that next year because we're getting season two. So I would be surprised if we don't get Ahsoka content in Tales of the Jedi season two. Maybe maybe not because he put her story in season one. Maybe he could govern himself, but Dave likes Dave likes Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> and he has more power now, so he can really do what he wants, hopefully, and nobody can uh, uh, change it. Yeah. So we'll see how much power he really does have. But <laughs> no, what I was going to say was uh, we were talking about Luke for a while. We we could probably talk all day about Luke. We could, yeah. <laughs> the next thing I want to kind of talk about was your, your podcast, your show, Beyond the Dune Sea. So, like, how did that start? Who kind of pushed it to start? And uh, just tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so... So Seth and I, Seth is the other other half of Beyond the Dune Sea. Um, we became friends a few years ago at a, a local toy store. We know the owner. Um, I've done some. I've been friends with him for a, for a, a little bit, and uh, I've, I've done some work. I've made a commercial for him and did some other things uh, for mm-hmm. him. And so I would always see Seth in this store when I was there. And I have been doing video production. For about 10 years at this point, which is crazy to think about. Um, narrative filmmaking, uh, documentary filmmaking, commercials, that sort of stuff. Um, and it turned out that Seth had also done a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. He's just a little bit older than me. And so we kind of, and that's, that were the initial conversations was like, wow, this is so weird. You have the same story. Like I made a, uh, a DC comics fan series. It was like uh-huh. a big endeavor. And I was telling Mike about that. He's the store owner. And Seth was like, I also made something like that. And it was so funny because he was showing it to me. And I had just recently moved to this town. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I guess I'd been there for a few years, but he he grew up here and he was showing me his. And it was like he filmed in the same place as I did. It was just it was very weird. It was like it wow. was the same story, but but several years apart. It was just, it was so odd. So we would constantly talk. And, uh, by this point I was sort of tapering off my filmmaking journey mm-hmm. just because filmmaking is hard <laughs> and it wasn't so much, uh, the difficulty of making films. It was that, uh, it was the difficulty of finding sort of my place in all of it. If that made sense, I knew what I was good at and I was, but I was also like, nothing was ever going anywhere, if that makes sense. And it was, it was a frustrating time. Cause I was like, I, I feel like I'm doing a good job, but no one cares. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so I was like, well, you know, I gave, gave it my all. Uh, and I started to sort of taper it off. Uh, and then I got into the toy photography as a way to scratch the creative itch, because if you're a creative person, you know, like you just can't turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> so during this time, Seth would often come over and take photos with me. Uh, we started to become more and more friends and he would constantly pester me about going and filming something. Oh, we should do this idea, this skit idea. And I, I was at a point where I'm like, I don't, if I'm going to make something, I don't want it to just be something goofy. I don't, uh, I want it to have meaning or, you know, some yeah. purpose behind it. and, uh, but I mean, a couple years of this kept getting on me. And finally this year, the earlier this year, I was like, fine, because I, I have a rule with all of my <laughs> friends with, uh, fine. <laughs> Uh, right. I know. I, I have a rule with all. Uh, I have a lot of friends who I would make films with and uh-huh. do projects with. And I have a rule for them. That's like, 
I will make a project. I will produce it if you write it because mm -hmm. I don't like writing. It's not a, well, I have become good at it by nature of necessity because I mm -hmm. ended up always having to be the one who would write because it's just, it was unrealistic for me to expect anybody else to do it because if you're not good at writing, you're just, you're not good at writing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the people I worked with, their talents were in a lot of other areas where it was like acting or animation or things like that. But I always told them, if you had a specific idea and you write it, I will produce it. And I told Seth this for a long time. He never wrote anything, <laughs> but he would keep getting on me. <laughs> so finally, I had an idea earlier this year. I know it's this is long winded. I'm, I'm no, you're good. And I apologize. Uh, earlier this year, I had a fixation with making a live action anime. Uh -huh. I just I'd seen some videos by Corridor and some other things. And I just I was like, man, this just seems really. I feel like I could do this, like I feel like I could make this. So I wrote just this real simple script called Tic Tac KO. <laughs> and it's just about Tic Tac Toe and it evolves into this like ridiculous anime fight. Uh huh. And I pitched it to Seth and he's like, let's do it. And I was like, OK, and I gave him some responsibilities and I was like, this is, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, this is either going to relight the spark or it's going to kill it completely. Because if I, I, I'd worked with a lot of people who would say they would do things and then wouldn't do them or they would all always fall back on me. And I was very jaded. We got to the shoot. Seth went above and beyond like no one else I'd ever worked with. And it was a really fun shoot. Um, I've not finished that film. And to be honest, like, I don't, I, I will finish it, but like, I don't care if I do because mm -hmm. it did relight the spark. Yeah. And we also around this time, we're talking about doing a show of some kind because I was going to make my own YouTube channel. I was going to do it about, uh, uh, photography and things. And I was like, you know, it would be fun as a little side quest with that. We could, could we could talk about star Wars or something. We could talk about movies cause we enjoyed doing that. Uh, yeah. And usually he would call me after every new Star Wars episode would come out for Mandalorian, for Book of Boba Fett, for whatever. Yeah. I could expect within 15 minutes I'd get a phone call <laughs> and we'd be talking for like an hour. And so we we're like, yeah, you know, we could try it. We could try doing a podcast or something. But in my mind, I didn't want to do just a podcast. I was like, I want to use these skills that I've accumulated over the years and I want to do a, a show. Um, I want to do a production of some kind. And so it was always in the cards or like we wanted to have skits that we do have segments, um, eventually have guests on all, all of these things. And, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And he was always, he was day one. I mean, he's like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. And but I'm like, okay, well, hold on. We got a lot of prep work. We got to do it. I don't know. And we set a hard date. We're like, why don't we just, when Ahsoka comes out, that's, that'll be our first recording. Uh, because it, I have a thing, it's like an OCD when it comes to a deadline, mm -hmm. if it's not arbitrary, I have to meet it. Like I will bend over backwards to meet it. It is a compulsion of mine. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Um, and that day kept approaching and I was dragging my feet. I was like, man, I got stuff I got to get for this. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing for a set. I don't know. I Gosh, I don't know, but I have this wall, uh, that was in my, uh, studio that had kind of a lot of my collectibles on it for my toy photography. And I'm like, well, that kind of looks good. Maybe I'll throw some sound panels around it and, uh, we'll just shoot around that. 
So I went on Facebook Marketplace. I found some like chairs. I bought a couple new microphones. Actually, Seth had this one. I bought a microphone and we're like, all right, let's do it. And I dreaded it so much the night before. And we got there and Seth is like, so excited. Let's do it. I can't wait. I can't wait for this. And we record. And I had a blast. I had yeah. So much fun. And I started to edit and I'm like, I realized something when I was editing it, the first episode, which is funny enough because that episode never came out. We had technical issues because uh, mm. we recorded it the week before Ahsoka came out. Uh, and I was editing. I'm like, I think there's something here. Like, I think that this is, I think we might be onto something. And I realized the reason for it was it was Seth. Like I have, I have these skills mm -hmm. and I, I like that. I have these skills. I'm proud of them. You know, I've taken me a long time to build these skills. I have equipment that I've accumulated over the time. So Seth, but like Seth just has a, uh, a pizzazz about him, a personality. I'm sure you yeah. know, you talk to him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he brings out the best in whoever he's talking to. And he's also very uh, energetic and positive. Yeah. And, you know, you just when you're when you're talking to him, especially about Star Wars, because you can tell he's passionate about it, it just oozes out. And we posted those first couple episodes and we started to get traction. And that was wild to us. We were like, we set a goal of 500 subs for the first year. We'll see where it goes. If we hit that goal, then maybe maybe it'll be something because I, I, uh, do a lot of behind the scenes work and, um, I had a plan for how to do that. I'm like, I don't think this is all luck. You know, I think that if I, with my toy photography page, I did a decent job of growing it. It's not huge, but you know, I have a, a you know, okay, uh, following on there and it's not really about the numbers. It's just like, uh, knowing that you can do that, right. That. Like if yeah. I, if I, it's not just like, there's an algorithm to it. And if you understand the algorithm, you know, you can be successful. And so I was like, I kind of want to try it. I want to try those things. And we, yeah, it was like, it was like the wonder twins, you know, was, <laughs> uh, that's really what it felt like. And it'd be, it was just insane right away. The response that we were getting for the show and we had on our fifth episode, we had a, a short. And uh, uh, it was on TikTok and on Instagram. Just go viral. It's probably the one you saw. Probably. Uh, and we couldn't believe it. Like, we couldn't believe it. And the comments that really got us, that made us say, wow, we're doing something important. Like, it was important to us in the beginning. We set a goal that was like, we're going to be positive. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our best to be a just a place for star Wars that you can just sit back and you don't have to, you don't have to walk away from the conversation being like, man, that guy just attacked everything I love. Or yeah. I don't think that guy would like me very much if we ever met in person <laughs> because I felt that way when I've watched star Wars content, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't like that. And, you know, I don't love everything in star Wars, but I, we've always tried our best to be like, Hey, if you, if you like a thing we don't like, that's great. That's great. You know, you have yeah. your own, uh, everybody's got their own experiences and we'll always invite you into the club. Uh, and that we've, we kind of be, have become known for a, another of uh, one of our videos that went viral. That's uh, Seth telling a story and he kind of ends it saying star Wars is for everybody. And that's awesome. And, yeah. and it's like, we didn't realize how much the community needs positivity because that's about the time we discovered you guys and diamond figs and mortis fm and you we, you all have kind of the same idea 
Yep. It's like, yeah, you know, we're just going to put out positivity, you know, we're just going to hang out and be positive in the, in the fandom. And I think that that's something that people really craved. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the genesis of it. And that's, uh, it, it's just, we just feel so fortunate and we feel so, uh, uh, so much gratitude for, um, the friends we've made, uh, for the, the fans we've made is just, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're at like almost 1400 subs and it is like, yeah. what in the world, you know, and it's like each one of those subs is a person, you know, who, yeah. who watched something we said and liked it enough to hit that button. And because I know me, I'm stingy with the subscribe button. <laughs> me know? too. Me like, too. Like I, uh, I really have to like something to subscribe to it. And I, so I just, I think about each individual person who's done that. It's like, wow, that's nuts. That's just, it's hard to fathom and it's hard to put into words really our gratitude, but it's, a, uh, yeah, it's been cool. And it's also afforded us the opportunity to just be creative, which I feel like I haven't been able to do in a long time. Like I, yeah. like I mentioned, my spark for filmmaking kind of died, but now I get to make a little movie every week and they're so goofy and they're usually so, they're so dumb most of the time, you know, but it's just, it's super fun. It's a place to put it, you know, and it's, it has a purpose and that's, that's what's cool. Yeah. It, it's so crazy. Cause I think when I first subscribed to you guys, it was like in the three hundreds, four hundreds. And then like, by the time I knew it, like a few weeks later, it was like over a thousand, like it was quick. Like your guys' growth is quick. And like, like you just said, you're almost at 1400. So for this year, do you have any goals? Like on how many subs do you want to get? I, to be honest with you, I, I don't, I, I yeah. don't, Seth and I kept having to re like, again, I'm very analytical. So I look yeah. at everything. Like, uh, when we first started, I was like starting to get an idea of like, okay, this is the growth we can expect. We were at most getting seven subs a day, which is still a lot. Like that's, yeah. it's a, that's incredible. We never would have expected that, but that kind of became the norm. We're like, okay, we're getting three to seven a day. So that was our goal. It's like, oh, and I, I mapped it out. I'm like, okay, for three to seven a day, we'll hit 500 at this time. We'll hit a yeah. thousand at this time. And that's how we'll know we'll be on track. And uh, it was, we had a couple videos just go crazy. And it's like, I don't even know what, I, I don't even know what goals to set. <laughs> yeah. Anymore, you yeah. Know? It's crazy. I, we have, we have some goals behind the scenes of some things we want to do. Um, now that we've kind of figured out a formula, because uh, mm -hmm. we didn't in the beginning, we were kind of just throwing everything at the wall to see what stuck. Yeah. Uh, and we invested a little bit into the set. It's now a little bit, a little bit uh, more user friendly is the best way to put it, but it also mm -hmm. looks a little bit better. The lighting's a little bit better. So we want to take that and we have some ideas to grow the channel and hopefully make content people want to see. You know, we don't just want to make content for the sake of making content. We always want to make sure that everything we're putting out is something that's interesting, hopefully something that's fresh in some way. Uh, yeah. And so, but as far as numbers go, I have no idea. I have no idea to go to set. Um, 5K, I guess. I didn't, maybe yeah. that's crazy. I don't know. No, uh, I, I think you'll get that easily. I, I, I think you guys will be more than that. By the end of this year, at the rate you're going, with like the consistency you guys put out and the quality, especially those those short films, like the one <laughs> I just saw today, the day that we're recording, the Home Alone skit was just <laughs> oh my god, 
so Man. good. I was telling <laughs> Seth earlier, I think my favorite one was the one where Seth was uh, Darth Maul. Darth I, Maul. Yeah. 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 That was my favorite one. But like those, so, those clips are just the best, man. I know a lot the, goes into it. Yeah. The escalation of those has been insane because it was always in the cards to do some sort of skit. Like that was the plan yeah. from the beginning. We were like, okay, let's, let's get our bearings and we'll do that. The first one we did was we never intended them to be little short films. If we did a skit, it was going to be like something funny that we did while we were sitting down in our chairs. Yeah. And so the first one we did was uh, when he, it was the end. Uh, yeah, it was the finale. It was the Soka finale. And I act like, okay, Seth's not here. So I guess it's just me. I'm going solo. And then he appears as a force ghost. Force so he's ghost. like, yes. I don't know what happened. I just, I was one minute I was here. Now I'm here. I'm like, I think you died. And he's like, I don't know, man. It's just, and people loved that. And we're like, okay. And then the next week we were like, okay, we got to do something fun. And so we were doing the Mortis arc and I did this thing where I like, uh, where Seth said he didn't like clone wars. And so I like force pull a lightsaber and I act like I'm going to cut him down. Yeah, yeah. But then it was the tier list that, really blew it out of proportion because uh we i have always had this idea with so the toy photography i do i have a lot of dioramas uh-huh. that i've collected and i've always had this idea like could i shoot live action like people on green screens and put them into these diorama sets and like could is that possible like would that even look good i don't know and so i had just an epiphany one day uh and i texted seth because I wrote it all out, the entire skit, because it's mm-hmm. basically a riff on Obi-Wan and Anakin's conversation in Revenge of the Sith uh, right before they duel. And he's a big fan of Return of the Jedi. and I am too, but not as much as he is. Yeah. And I had this line pop in my head like, you've allowed the Ewoks to twist your mind until now. <laughs> <laughs> and I had that stupid idea and I wrote a whole skit around it and I sent it to him and he's like, that's insane. How are we <laughs> even going to do that? And I'm like... I have this idea to do these on these miniature sets. I don't know if it'll work, but we should try it. And he's like, let's do it. So he actually bought the green screen. He bought a green screen and we came over and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. And so we shot everything on the green screen. Mm-hmm. And then I literally, I came into my photography studio and I set up this scene and I, I literally used the figures of Obi-Wan and Anakin like as yeah. placeholders. And I was like matching all the shots and then I started pulling them in and combining them. I'm like, holy crap, I think this is going to work. <laughs> like, it's not like movie quality, you know, like it's not going to sell that. But for a goofy skit in the beginning of a podcast, like. Oh, so good. And so, yeah, it just. And so then every week we we did that and a lot of people loved it so much. We're like, well, now we can't go back. There's a, So now every week we got to do yeah. something. Uh, the Home Alone one was fun because that was Seth's idea. He was really adamant about it. I had, yeah. I, I'll, sh- I'll share with you the other idea that I had because I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh-huh. The idea I had, because we knew we were doing Christmas and we're like, okay, we got to go out all out for this one. The scene in a Christmas story. Uh-huh. When uh, Ralphie opens up the bunny costume and then it cuts to Ralphie walking down the stairs and he's in the bunny costume. I wanted to do that scene, but with Jackson the rabbit. Oh, 
that would have been hilarious. Seth hates Jackson the Rabbit, and I think yeah. he's awesome. So <laughs> he would open up the costume and then walk down the stairs, and he's Wearing in a Jackson it? the Rabbit costume. Oh, that would have been golden. Oh man. So that was, but we couldn't figure out how to get a cos like a costume and uh, in time. So Seth was really adamant about Home Alone, and there was a few yeah. scenes we were bouncing around, and we ultimately landed on the brick scene. Uh, he was like, I just think it'd be so funny if Grogu is Kevin and he's like running around the house or he's like, or oh, we could do this scene where he's throwing yeah. bricks at him. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll do that. And it's, we actually went out and filmed it on location, not on a green screen. So that was fun. <laughs> man. So good, man. So <laughs> I think the next thing I kind of want to talk a little bit about is collectibles. Cause I see uh, your deets off there full of hot toys. So what yeah. kind of, what kind of goodies are you into? So, when it comes to Star Wars collectibles, like figures in particular, I I mainly get them for the photography. So ninety mm percent -hmm. of them are like if they outlive their usefulness. Like if I run out of photo ideas, I'll sell them because I'm like, well, yeah, uh, that's the only reason they're here. Except for mm -hmm. Captain Rex, there he'll never leave. Yes. I wanted that one so bad, uh, and. Yeah, so I do a lot of figures, um, customs. I'm really into customs, mm -hmm. uh, like for for Black Series figures. Uh, a lot of custom heads and stuff. Like I've got this one's within reach. This is from a uh, his lightsaber's falling out. Yeah, just take his lightsaber out. So this is from. Oh, I just tried to show my webcam. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so this is from Revenge of the Sith. It's a guy named Uncle Sam Cantina. Uh huh. I, weathered the the black series figure so that kind of stuff because it makes they really pop in photos and you yeah. can make some pretty cool art with them and so i love love that kind of thing um i've recently been more into collecting like the physical media for star wars because i'm a oh. big physical game collector but uh -huh. i just had the blu-rays for star wars and i kind of got rid of everything else but recently uh, these were the the covers i grew up with for star wars mm. and i recently i just finished the set I uh, got Gindy's Clone Wars Volume 1 and 2 on DVD. Um, ships, I'm really into ships. So the Micro Galaxy Squadron is really cool. Yep. I've really been enjoying that stuff. Like they're really well-priced and pretty accurate. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the things that I like. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. It's, a, it's uh, a good variety. I love the physical media thing too because I think I have everything on DVD. But I like if I see it somewhere... I'll buy it, especially like VHSs, man. I'm a sucker for VHSs. Yeah. If I'm at a uh, like a convention or a toy show and I'll see like the gold box set or the original box set, I'm I'm yeah. picking it up because a, I, a I lot just of times it's cheap. I just recently picked up that gold box set sealed from Toys R Us. Oh, oh that's so dope. It was man. 15 bucks. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You can't I don't think they're that expensive, but uh, it was yeah. it was just cool to see it sealed. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll pick that up. But yeah, that in, in the Star Wars games too are a big thing that I like to collect. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like, I do like lightsabers, although I don't mm -hmm. have many. I have an Ultra Sabers uh, Anakin Graflex lightsaber that I love. Um, I got that at Chicago Comic Con several years ago. Um, but yeah, the Hot Toys Black Series, some vintage collection. I don't do a ton of three and three quarter, although that was like my bread and butter when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I I'd like to get into the helmets. I don't. I, I love seeing those in the background of your videos. Uh, I don't 
currently don't have any helmets, but I would like to like to start. Captain Rex will probably be the first one I get. So his um, is coming out next year from Hasbro, but there's other like custom ones out you could get right now. But I know, I know. They, and they look good too. There's, yeah. It, main thing for me is like, I don't know where I'd put them. <laughs> yeah. Like you need space. And like my, my shelf back here is full. Like I have the Bo-Katan one. I had to put it on the floor over there. I think I have another one somewhere else. So like I ran out of space, so I need to go to Ikea and get like a, an extension to that or something. Cause they, uh, they add up really, really quick, man. Really yeah, they fast. Do. Yeah. So, they do. <laughs> yeah. I was like working around. I'm like, do I have anything else? I don't think so. I think that's the main thing that I do. Um, but yeah, I've always been, I've always loved the toys. You know, when I was growing up, that was a big thing. My, my mom and my mama would always take me, we'd go on toy hunts. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, the old, old three and three quarter. Uh, I have some, I have a couple Kenners. I think I have the return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker Kenner figure. Um, and some of the old power of the force, uh, power of the force was, was when I was a kid, but I wasn't into star Wars at the time. So mm -hmm. I didn't really get a ton of power of the force. I do have some, I have some sealed power of the force that, um, that I've gotten over the years, but yeah, I kind of like weird, weird stuff. Like when I say weird stuff, like, uh, uncommon, I guess, uh, star Wars stuff. That's kind of what I like to gravitate towards. So like I have, I could see it over there. I have a little music box that plays uh -huh. the star Wars theme. Um, like that kind of stuff is cool. Uh, I had these, uh, old, I know you talked about them not long ago, those unleashed figures. I have the miniature yes. version of those. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you with collecting weird, random stuff. I'm going to show you something right now. That's very weird and very random. I got to grab okay, that. I'm, I'm ready. I'm trying to like get a sneak preview here. Like, what am I looking for? And there's a lot of cool stuff back there. All right. So I'm a big Darth Maul guy. And I love mm -hmm. sealed 1999 episode one merch. Like that's probably like one of my favorite merch lines ever. But okay. I saw this, I had to get it. And like, I don't really live anywhere where there's snow. I'm in Florida, so it's not really useful here. But this is a Darth Maul snow tube. Well, how, how about that? That is so interesting. Yeah, that like, is so weird. Yeah, like, it that's is the kind of stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could use it in the pool, but I want to go somewhere like New York, New Jersey, Colorado snowboarding. And I want to be like this kid right here going down the slopes with with this and probably holding Darth Maul's lightsaber. Like, how funny would that be? A clip, a <laughs> clip awesome. of me doing that. New yeah. profile pic incoming. Yeah. So I love the random stuff like this. Yeah, it, that's that's cool. The man. best. It is yeah, the so, best. So Darth Maul is your guy, huh? Which I knew that, but like you have, yeah. a, you have a lot of Darth Maul stuff. I do. Cool. Yeah. I don't really have a character. I kind of Captain Rex. Uh, mm. I just, I just love Captain Rex. I think his, his helmet is so cool. It is. Um, so that's one thing. Like I have this, let's see if I can reach it. It's not very good. Cause I customized this myself, uh, but this uh, custom black series one with a more accurate helmet. Oh, okay, nice. The helmet sculpt is great, and from a distance, hopefully, you can't see all the imperfections in the paint job. But <laughs> no, yeah, I can't see it from that far. But uh, yeah, just uh, so Captain Rex is is one of the characters that I like to go for. So you mentioned before you collecting games. So like, I kind of know you're into retro gaming. So like, what I am? What kind of stuff do you collect? Like, what consoles? Like, like, what's your retro gaming taste? 
Um, so sorry, Obi-Wan just took a tumble there. <laughs> <laughs> so with retro games, retro games, that's right here. That's yeah. what I like to collect. Like I always tell people figures that's for my photography. If I had to get rid of them all, I would probably, or most of them. I have a few sentimental ones, but retro games though, that's, that's where I get the thrill of the hunt. That's where I yeah. get all of that stuff. So I collect what don't I collect is a better. <laughs> so we just recently finished our Nintendo console. So we have all Nintendo consoles with the exception of the virtual boy. If you uh, count that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like collecting consoles. Mm -hmm. I'm also a big game boy collector. Do you like have every game boy, boy console? I have them all with the exception of the game boy light, which was the, it came out in I believe 1998, at the same time the game boy color, it was released only in Japan. Yep. Uh, but it still had all English text and stuff. And it was a front lit game boy before the SP. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the only front lit game boy. And it's so it, it's the one that got away because I have a prominent memory of I have only seen one once in person and it was 40 bucks. And I was like, ah, what? I'll, find one. I'll find one cheaper another time. What a fool I was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I, I didn't really know much about it, but I researched it recently since I'm going to Japan and I've been watching a lot of retro toy hunt video, uh, retro game hunt videos out there. They're everywhere over there. I know. So like when I go, when I go, that's number one on my list. And I know you, you mentioned you're, you, you'd like to go to Japan, but if you don't get to go, I could grab one for you, man. Dude, that would, I would. Yeah. It'd be so awesome. They, they are, it's the only one I have, of course, the original brick. I have several Game Boy pockets. I'm also into modding them. So I have, usually if I have several, nice. I've modded one and I have an original. Yeah. So I have a few Game Boy pockets. One's modded. I have my original Game Boy Color. That was the first mm. one I got. And then I have a custom Game Boy Color that I had. It's uh, got a custom um, skin on it. Uh, and like it's it's got a Mewtwo skin on it. It's got light up buttons. It's got a touch Ooh. thing on the top. Um, do you want me to go get some of yes, these? Because yes, downstairs. Yes, I'll, yes, I'll be yes. right back. I can go get a oh, couple of them. Yes, yes. Okay. I've only grabbed Ooh. a couple. So, all right, I'll try to make this as not boring as possible. <laughs> oh, no, this is this is great. Take your time. No, I want to see this. So I just grabbed some of my Game Boys because, uh, like I said, that's kind of my thing. So this is my modded pocket that I made. Oh, it uh, looks like the OG. Yeah. Yeah, all white. And then here, let's see. I'll grab a Game Boy game, throw it in there. This was uh, back if... You're into modding at all. I know um, nothing about it, but I, I want to learn. You're, you're not going to be able to see it on camera. So uh, back in the day or back in the day, not I guess not long ago, the only way you could put a backlit screen on a pocket was by taking out the screen and then carefully removing the polarizer on the back. It was mm -hmm. a very difficult process and a lot of you could you could ruin the screen really. easily. Yeah. So now you can just get drop-in screens, uh, some IPS screens. So this one looks like the batteries are getting low, so you can't really tell that it's backlit. But, of course, you can hear it. And I put Link's Awakening in there. Ooh. So uh, so that's one uh, all white. I just I love that. And always making sure I put the, the OEM stickers so it yeah. looks real. Like, I love that. Um, here's my Game Boy Color, my modded one. 
So I'll go ahead and put Link's Awakening in that too. I have I should have brought a Pokemon game. But there's a Oh the Mewtwo. Backlit. And check this out. Just a touch. Brightness wow. control. And then this is a relatively new feature. The buttons wow. light up. And you did all that yourself. Yes. Well, that's so it's uh, a lot of this stuff they make really easy to do, but it's also uh-huh. that's what well, I have a degree in electrical engineering. Yeah. So like this is what I not that you need that to do this, but it does help to do some of the more intricate stuff. Uh huh. Um, like, for example, the one of the it's a small thing, but it is so great. Um, where's my. Yeah. So you see the the power LED. Yeah. So on a Game Boy Color, it just lights up red when you have the power on. Well, I wanted to know when the batteries were getting low. So I had this custom board made uh, by, I think the guy's name is Frogo Customs. Uh-huh. Um, and it's purple uh, on theme, but then it will go orange when the batteries get low. Wow. So it's a, it's a custom, it's a flex PCB that goes on the... Uh, that goes on the actual board. It gets soldered onto the actual board. And then the, uh, the buttons, the LEDs on the buttons, I have an issue uh, where my sometimes LEDs really bother my eyes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted it to be toggleable. So I have a switch down here where you can turn, like if I want to sit here and play it, you know, yeah. I can turn the LEDs off. Uh, so yeah, this thing, super cool. Yeah. It's uh, one of my favorite builds. Um, here is, one of my one of my GBA SPs, uh, my my special one is actually up here somewhere because the, I talked about it on the show. Yeah, uh, the long, blue long, one, long. right? The blue purple one. Yeah, the blue one. So yeah. this one is an AGS one hundred and one. Uh huh. It's got the backlit screen. Super bright. Love these things. This was actually just given to me by a coworker not long ago. Wow, it's crazy. Because I was I was actually working at because at work I have a lot of stuff like all my electrical tools. So I was doing mm-hmm. a lot of my modding after I, I got off and a coworker walked by and was like, what's that? And I was like, oh yeah, this is some a hobby of mine. And the next day she brought in a, just a case that had this and a bunch of games in it. She was like, here, just had wow. it. Just put it in a closet. I'm like, okay. Thanks. Yeah, that's so cool. And then, okay. So then this one is my modded, my modded SP. Ooh. It's just uh and this is this is not an original shell. Uh yeah. so this is a real thing, but it you could only get one of these shells like uh the this special edition with a front lit screen, but this has the backlit screen. Mm. And it's just really nice. Um so I need to get stickers for it because it doesn't have stickers. And then here we go. The Game Boy Micro. Oh, I want one of this those has, things. This has a custom machined aluminum shell on it with a custom face plate from I don't remember where it's from. Mm-hmm. Uh I actually want to put the original back on it, the original uh shell because I like it a little bit more. But so that's one. These things, gosh, they're hard to find. Micros. Yeah. Uh but then the best one is the Japan exclusive 20th anniversary of Mario. Uh, complete inbox Famicom edition of the wow. uh, Game Boy Micro. And this one's cool because there were other Famicom editions, but not uh-huh. all of them had the little Mario on the back. And that's actually wow. great. Like it's it's etched into the middle. So where'd you get that from? 
This is funny. This was uh, when I worked, I worked for a video game startup for a little while. Uh huh. And we had a massive deadline uh, that we had to meet. And I was the team lead for the animation team. And my boss, the game director, he was also into retro games. And mm -hmm. uh, he knew that I, this was like one of my holy grails. And he told me, he was like, if you meet this deadline, I will, I will purchase you one of those. And I was like, <sighs> okay. I didn't meet the deadline because it, mm -hmm. it was, it was an impossible deadline. It was just not, not feasible. Yeah. And I think he realized that because I remember right after that month, I came into work and this was just sitting on my desk. Uh, so really cool. That yeah. is awesome. I've seen a bunch of those in those Japan videos I've been watching because there's a, a chain store in Japan called Hard Off. Hard and Off, it's, yep. it's, a, it's a, like a secondhand electronic store where people buy, sell, trade their old electronics. So I literally have a map of about 15 to 20 different hard offs. There's another chain called book off and hobby off, which is kind of the same thing. And they have electronics and there's a store called Suragaya. So all these electronic stores, there's probably about 30 of them total. I'm going to go to, I think I'm more excited to go on the retro game hunt than I am for celebration Japan. Because <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it, it well, it is. But for me, it's the nostalgia and the childhood stuff. Cause like everything I had as a kid is just sitting in bins over there for dirt cheap the pricing mm -hmm. on this stuff and like now that i know you can like mod and kind of repair stuff a lot of those places have broken game boys that are dirt cheap honestly i'm probably gonna buy them all and be like hey let's figure it out and hey, yeah because like hey it's one of my favorite things to do is fix game boys because most of the time like 75 percent of the time they just need cleaned like the boards yeah. just need cleaned because they get just gunk inside the power switches and stuff because they use these slider switches and or there's corrosion on the battery contacts and yeah it's like, but that's the boring stuff I, I i could talk about that stuff all the time but uh but yeah no i i, I hear you man i'd love to go over there and just dive into those bins because there's so many uh so many systems that i would like to I, I would just like to have a reserve of a bunch of game boys for parts and stuff yes so yeah, yes. I definitely hear that. So now that I know that, because like I wasn't gonna buy a lot of broken consoles because I can't really do nothing with it. But if I'm finding Game Boys for like five bucks, I'm yeah. I'll buy thirty of them, and then right. we'll we'll figure we'll figure it out. Because like, when am I ever gonna be able to buy consoles for that cheap? And I kind of made a, a crazy list. So when I go, I want to get a like the Japanese Famicom. I want to get the Super Famicom. I want to get at least two or three of the Japan N64s, like the clear colored ones, like the blue oh, one, yeah. the orange one. The, the, yeah, I want to get at least a couple of those. I want to pick up a GameCube. I want the, what is it, the Spice Orange is the Jap the Japanese exclusive yes. one? I want to get that. Um, and then Game Boys is where I'm in trouble because I kind of want to get one of every Game Boy. But the Game Boy Color, I want the Toys R Us Tiffany Color Japan exclusive one. Oh. I want that. Yeah, I want that yeah. one. And then I want to get a, a light. I don't care if it's the silver or the gold version. I just want to find a light that works. And um, that's the big thing. Like if you're going to get uh, broken consoles. I, yeah, th those are really great because you can just do drop ins and stuff. But if you want to mm -hmm. get like special editions and stuff, man, like with the pockets, the, the pocket, the light 
I don't know if the light has this issue, but I know the pocket and the Game Boy, they have something called screen cancer. Have you ever seen that? Where something like watch out for. It's like the screen kind of like burns in, it looks like, or is it? No, it's uh, it's like on the edges that you can see like oh. this black kind of seeping in. Uh-uh. And, like that's, that's uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I think it's technically repairable, but it's a nightmare. So it's not worth it. So that's the only oh. thing I would say look, look out for. I'll keep an eye out for that. But so yeah. there's a bunch of consoles I want to get handheld and then the main consoles. But I also, and I made this list earlier today. I have a list of a hundred video games I want to buy while I'm out there, which sounds oh. crazy, but like, it's also going to be a very cool video. Hey, I bought a hundred Nintendo games in Japan and like a crazy yeah, there you go. banger title, but all of them. Uh, so I literally went through every console I had as a kid, like the list of every game ever. And I, and I looked and I want to get every game I ever had as a kid on NES on super Nintendo on 64 on GameCube, on game boy on game boy color. So I went through the list and it's about a hundred games, but like a lot of these games I'm seeing in these videos in these bins for like two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, five bucks. They're really, really cheap. And like, if I were to try to get a lot of this stuff now in the U S at the prices now it's, it'd be crazy. So yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's the case. They, they are starting to come down. I will say a little bit, a, a little bit, but not like these Japan yeah, prices another big piece of hardware i'm gonna get and like i just hope my luggage is big enough to fit the box because i i see them at hard offs in the box all the time is remember the super scope mm -hmm. of course 18 bucks over there in the box for in a super box, scope yeah that's see that's crazy. the stuff that i would be really intrigued by over there is a lot of the cib stuff yeah you don't see a ton of that stuff here no so it's going to be very fun and interesting over there and hopefully you can make it. But if not, like, give me a list of like your Japan grails and I, I All got right. you. Cause hey, I'm going to take you up on that. No, I got, I got some, I, I start making that list now. That way I can <laughs> add it to my list. Like I'm for real. Cause like I even like, I kind of had uh, an idea of where the hotels were that I'm, I was going to stay at originally. But now that I found all these stores, I'm tweaking all my hotels. That way they're in walking distance to a couple of these stores because our plan is as soon as we land the first day in Tokyo, we're going to go to the hotel, drop the luggage off and go right to hard off right away. Because like I want to pick up something instantly because I just have the itch for the hunt. Yeah, no, I get it, man. That's that's been a dream of mine, too. And that's part of the reason I've been thinking about really going. Uh, yeah, so it's. My biggest thing is uh, I, I announced on the show uh, today, but I'm uh, my first child is due this spring. Congratulations. And thank you. And I was looking and I'm like, wow, that due date is real close. And obviously it's next year, but I'm like, yeah. no way I'm going to miss my child's first birthday to go to celebration. Oh, so that's, yeah. That's the big thing is like I'm waiting. Oh, I'm like, okay, we'll see how, how, it, how it shakes. Yeah. But uh, that's that's wow. really my only reservation to go right now. That yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes complete sense. <laughs> but if so, I'm gonna be hitting you up. I'm gonna be like, hey. Oh no, man. I so it's so funny. Like I I already have like about thirty videos I want to record while I'm in Japan for the eleven days between both channels, between the, the Star Wars Sith channel and the Hyrule Sith channel, because there's just a lot of like video game stuff out there. I mean, it's Japan. It's the motherland. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. It's, it's yeah. the genesis of all of it. And so do you do you collect? So you're going to be collecting for 
like the games you had when you were a kid. So you, you don't have like specific series that you're going after in particular. So I'm 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 gonna get all the games I had as a kid, but I'm also gonna buy pretty much every Zelda game that I see, no matter what, whether I had it or not. I want to get every Game Boy Pokemon game. So red, blue, yellow, green, gold, silver, and I think emerald were all on the, the cartridge, not yes. including the advanced ones. So I want all those Pokemon games and then every Star Wars game. So there's a lot of Star Wars games on like right. consoles that I never knew existed. Like there were a couple of new ones I saw. Like Yoda had a Game Boy color game. There was an yeah, Obi-Wan. This one. I just picked this one up. Star Wars Racer. That's on the list. That, that's, on, that's on my list. Yep. GBC. Yep. That's on my list. So I'll be doing a lot of that stuff, but Zelda is my biggest one. I'm going to get everything Zelda and Zelda will probably be the only one where I buy the Nintendo switch version just to have the Japanese cover of tears oh. and breath of the wild. Ooh. But uh, you're, you're pretty big on Zelda too. eh? Yeah. So we collect, uh, I should say we, it's mostly me. Uh, my wife enjoys video games as well, but, uh, I do mainly series, so I do Poke the Pokemon series, Legend of Zelda. Nice. A little bit of Mario. I'm not quite a completionist on Mario. Yeah. But I am on the other uh, series, and then Star Wars games. Mostly Star Wars nice. handheld games. That's kind of the idea. So for Pokemon, I just actually completed that milestone. I'm only missing Ultra Moon, and I'm just not in a hurry to get it quite yet. Yeah. But I did get the entire DS library, and I've had the entire Game Boy library. And... I finished the Game Boy library just before COVID hit. So mm -hmm. I was able, like, I got, I bought Emerald for 20 bucks, which is wild because that nice. game is expensive now. Uh, yeah. But yeah. There's so, but the DS games, gosh, they're, they are not cheap. So no, uh -uh. I had to, I paid up for a couple of those, which, which hurt my soul a little bit because I'm, yeah. I'm a bargain hunter, you know? So Me I'm too, always yeah. looking. But uh, I did end up, it was Black 2 was my last one. And that game's like 150 bucks. And I found one for 115. And I'm like, well, probably not going to find any cheaper. So I'll grab that. But Zelda, I'm only missing the Game Boy Advance games. And it's really sad because I bought them first, but they ended up being fake. Oh. Uh, I didn't know that until years later, because now I can spot fakes from a mile away. Yeah. But, uh, since they were the first ones I ever bought, I just never considered it. Mm -hmm. It was actually at a game store. Um, with a friend of mine and we saw the Minish Cap, which is for Game Boy Advance. Yeah. And it was 80 bucks. And I was like, I, I told my friend, I'm like, 80 bucks? Like, I bought this game for 20 with a uh, link to the past four swords. And then it hit me. And I'm like, oh man, uh... I bought a fake. And I said that, and it's funny, an employee overheard me. He thought I was talking about the game in the cabinet. He's like, no, 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 that's not fake. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, not yours, mine. Unfortunately, I went home and I took it a I have a dry wing screwdriver pop yeah. it open. I'm like, sure enough, they're fake. I'm like, dang. Wow. So, so that's the only ones I'm missing now. I'm missing uh Minish Cap, Link to the Past for GBA, and then the two NES classics for GBA. But I have the rest of them. So yours, it's all the US versions, right? Yes. So like for Japan, would you want would you try to like get every version of it in Japanese or just select ones? Cause that's, that's a dangerous so, rabbit hole too. Yeah. Select ones. I've thought about this because I have run into uh, Japanese versions at uh -huh. game stores and stuff before. I think I would enjoy having the game boy advance Pokemon games, mm -hmm. the Japanese versions. Cause I, I love the box art Yeah, and they're not too expensive in box. You can find them for like 40 bucks, I think. 
mm-hmm. uh, which for Pokemon, you know, it's super cheap. Yeah. So I would I would probably like that, but I'm not a big born game collector. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind it for the consoles because most of them aren't region locked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for the games, I'm I like to stick to US version for the most part. Uh, so I don't know that I would find a ton of games over there, but consoles, man. Yeah, I'd be like be all and accessories too, like the yeah. weird stuff. Oh, gosh. So I'm in a couple of the videos I've been watching. They've been finding Game Boy cameras and Game Boy printers. So every Game Boy camera I'm picking up, I'm snagging. I had one when I was younger. I remember the that terrible looking camera, but I right. want it for the nostalgia, like for sure. But yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Japanese collector either. But if I'm there and like freaking Wario Land is a dollar. I'm going to buy it. Like, that's just insane for like a memory of the trip, but just to have it. So, yeah, yeah I, it's it's going to be wild, man. It's going to be. Very so what, wild. what Game Boy? What Game Boy are you looking forward to the most? Like, what what's your Game Boy? My Game Boy? Like, um, probably. I grew up on the bricks so, so much in the pocket and the color, but I think the color probably was my favorite. I had the clear mm-hmm. purple one and I bought uh, one. Maybe. Purple. Yeah, yeah. I bought one maybe a year ago. So I have that now. So th- that would probably be my favorite. I never had the SP or the Advance, but I'm going to pick them up while they're there. I do have an SP now because my younger brother gave me one. So I have an SP and it's dope. It's crazy how it lights up. Like what? Back in the day, I, like especially like if, if I was playing in the car, I would try to be sitting by the light to get the street light coming in to be able to play. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, Memories, man. The, Not the, the same struggles. Way. But yeah, I want to find all those wacky accessories like the uh like the light that would slide on top. You know, the light with the little magnifying glass. Oh Remember yeah. That? The warm lights and stuff. Yeah. That yeah. and also I want to find a Game Boy Game Genie. Cause I remember I had that back in the day. I used that on Pokemon Blue to get Mew back in like the 90s oh yeah wow that talk about memories those in action replays game sharks yeah game shark yes i had those too yeah i mostly used mine on the ds era okay uh do you remember do you remember those cheat code books that you could buy yes 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 oh man dude i had i had stacks of that stuff because i would get on cheat cc.com yeah and I had like a whole stack for GTA San Andreas that I would use because uh, uh, I never played the story in that game. I just wanted a flying tank every time I played it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Wait. Or uh, some of the Star Wars games, they had some pretty good cheats, too. Uh, Battlefront 2. Yeah, they had I would always toggle on infinite hero tokens uh, and I would just play as the hero the entire time, like in Galactic <laughs> Conquest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gosh. Gosh. So many. Yeah yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna i just i have a feeling and i already know it i know i'm probably gonna have to ship something back because i have a feeling i'm gonna have a full suitcase of just like nintendo 64s and just gamecube (laughs) just a bunch of random consoles and like whatever i buy at celebration i'm gonna have to i'm gonna figure it out but it's gonna be yeah right gonna bring an empty two empty suitcases i'm bringing i'm bringing one empty suitcase for sure and then I'm going to bring an empty duffel bag. That way on the way home, I could cram all the clothes into the duffel bag. Oh, and there then, you go. Yeah, I've, I've been strategically planning this out because this uh, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing to be able to get all these games and consoles for this price. I'm, it's not like I'm going to go to Japan all the time. It's not, right. it's, not, it's not cheap to fly there, but once you're there, it's, it's, everything is affordable. But yeah. 
yeah, I, I'm taking advantage of this shit, man. And memory lane every day. Yeah, man. Now you're really making me want to go. I hope, I hope it works out. I'm, uh, yeah, I hope so too. When's, uh, when's the due date for the little one? So our due date is May 7th. Um, but it's close enough. It's like a week, you know, yeah. so like, you never know what can happen. Uh, <laughs> and don't they, don't they usually come early? Like most of the time, these, these little kids come out early than the due date typically, or sometimes it's later. Sometimes, you know, wow. you know be, be my first. So I'm not, what uh, if, uh, what if it's May the 4th? I didn't even consider that. That's a great, wow. Got to wow. aim for that. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's crazy, man. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right, so we went way longer than I thought. Oh, um, sorry, that's my fault. I talk so no. much. Oh no, me no, me too. Once we went down the rabbit hole with Luke and these video games, like we could probably still talk another hour about retro games, but <laughs> we could. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll probably wrap it up there. Do you have anything uh, coming up next on your channel that the people could look forward to? Um, so we've got Tales from the Archives next week, of course, with you and with. Uh, diamond figs and with mortis fm yep uh and then the week after that we're kind of jumping into we're going to do a look back at 2023 a look forward to 2024 um and then the the first retrospective we're doing is on rogue one uh in the coming nice. new year we do have some other stuff in the pipeline but not anything i can mention yet so we're uh, we're excited nice. about that yeah so for you guys watching be sure to check them out i'm going to put the link down in the description go subscribe now Connor, thank you again for coming on, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been an honor to be on here. And you're just, again, I, I am but the Padawan and you are the master. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's, it was an honor to come on. It's great chatting with you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And that's it for this episode of Sift Talk, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys.